Okay, folks, um, if you could open the Word of God with me this morning. And um, I'm saying this, but to be honest with you, I don't really take notice. But what I would say, I know we put the words up on the screen, but can we encourage you, still bring you the Word of God with you to church, whether it's on your iPad or on your phone or on your Bible, do bring the Word with you. Um, Because it's always good to be able to note a few wee things down as we talk as well. So um, do make sure you bring God's Word with you. We're going to go into the Old Testament. It's a wee while since we've preached in the Old Testament, but, but we are going to look in the Old Testament this morning, just a one-off sermon, and Isaiah 46, Isaiah chapter 46. And this is what God's word says. Bow down, bell bows down, Nebo stoops low. Their idols are borne by beasts of burden. The images that are carried about are burdensome, a burden for the weary. They stoop and bow down together, Unable to rescue the burden, they themselves go off into captivity. Listen to me, you descendants of Jacob and the remnant of the people of Israel, you whom I have upheld since birth and have carried since you were born. Listen to this one this morning. Even to your old age and gray hairs. I am he, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you and I will sustain you and I will rescue you. I'm having a wee chuckle to myself. A couple of weeks ago, I was out with my mother and she kept stirring and stirring and my mum's only way weirder than me. And she kept looking up, she was stirring and stirring and she just said to me, I never thought I would see the day when my baby would have grey hair. <laughs> <laughs> So even to your old age and grey hair, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. With whom will you compare me or count me equal? To whom will you liken me that we may be compared? Some pour out gold from bags and weigh out silver on scales. They hire a goldsmith to make it into a god, and they bow down and they worship it. They lift it up to their shoulders and carry it, and set it up in its place, and there it stands. From the spot it cannot move, even though someone cries out to it, it cannot answer, it cannot save them from their troubles. Remember this and keep this in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. Amen. I am God and there is none like me. I made known the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey and from far off land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said that I will bring about, what I have planned that I will do. Listen to me, you stubborn hearted, you who are now far from my righteousness. I am bringing my righteousness near. It is not far away and my salvation will not be delayed. I will grant salvation to Zion, my splendor to Israel. Lord, we pray this morning. Will you help us to take in your word and work your word out in our souls? Lord, we thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet that brings direction and comfort and strength. And may we be comforted this morning. May we, Father, also be, Lord, 
that our spirit might rise up with confidence in us this morning because of who you are. Lord, we just bless your lovely name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, we're living in days, folks, where there are so many weird and wonderful things out there and so many people who believe this and believe that and believe the other and there's a big force on today that nobody believes anything and it's all fairy tales and, you know, it, it's so sad. And, you know, for me, you know, as a pastor, I often get into conversations with people and they talk about evolution and, you know, why they don't believe in God. And I sometimes listen to them and I think, you know something, it would take more faith to believe in evolution than it does in our lovely Savior. And the thing that gets me a lot too is, you know, people in our day are looking direction. But how sad it is that people will look to their stars, their horoscopes, for direction for their future. Something that has never been tried or tested and is not true. And yet when we look into God's word and the history of God's word and how God's word tallies with the word, tallies with itself and prophesies of one to come who will bring direction and healing and blessing to our lives. It's all there to show us that he is who he said he is. He is Jesus, the way the truth, and their life. And you know, from our reading this morning, there's one thing that we can notice. And it has been the same through history. When God, the great I am, says that he will do something, no matter how many times he will say that he will do it to a grouping of people, they always seem to have a difficulty believing him. Have you ever noticed that in scripture? There's always that difficulty. You know, even last Sunday morning, when we came around the Lord's table, we talked about the two boys on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus told them he would rise from the grave. And where were they? Instead of going closer to him, they were away to the road to Emmaus. And here this nation, the nation of Israel, which is precious to God, he says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And even though he's declared this, you are my special people and I will be your God. We see in this reading this morning that they have made two gods and these two gods are in their midst and they're worshiping these two gods instead of God Almighty. Two gods that were absolutely useless to the Israelites. In fact, it became a burden to them because they had to carry these statues, Baal and Nebo, right into the very captivity because they were straying away from God. They were a burden to their souls. And yet God was saying to them here, you would worship these gods. You spend your gold. You gave your gold and your silver for somebody to melt them down and to make a figure of your choice so that you could pray to these things. But they can't even hear you. They can't even help you. You count them equal to me and you worship to me, them instead of me. And again, that lovely verse in verse 4 Let's read it again this morning. He says them, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he and I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. They were having to carry these false gods. And yet God was saying to them, you're my people and I want to carry you. I want to carry you with whatever you're going through. I want to carry you and sustain you and be all that I am to you. And yet they were given a credence to these blooming dumb gods. 
God challenged the, the rebelliousness of their hearts. I am God. There's none other like me, and there's nobody else can take care of you. Why are you focusing in on these gods? He had always given them divine counsel. But the problem was, these guys carrying it out. For God knew the beginning from the end. He is from ancient time. He has always existed. He is God and he knows the beginning from the end. And yet they were running to these false gods. Look at verse 10. I've made known the end from the beginning from ancient times and is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do as so that I please. And even though their hearts were far from God, even though they had spent their gold in these false gods, here the Lord is saying, I'm still going to do my purpose. I'm going to save you. I'm going to come and meet you at your knee. How many of this morning who have been on the road a long time realize that our God is a gracious God? When we've been foolish, he still come after us. He still come after us to bless us. Um, Raymond, could you maybe open that door, put the fire? Everything's getting a bit warm in here. And then verse 13. He says, I will bring my righteousness near. It is not far away, and my salvation will not be delayed. I will grant salvation to Zion, my splendor in Israel. And this is prophetic. This is the prophet Isaiah prophesying to say that one day through them as a people, even though they were cold and they were serving these other gods, that one day a savior would come through them. Can you understand this morning as a pastor why I would say people are running around looking at their horoscopes and looking for direction that's never been tested or tried and yet God's word even before we were formed and we were born prophesies a saviour coming and we're going to look deeper into that this morning and we see that the saviour comes. I think he's the only one you can really trust. God had given them everything. He delivered them and not just through this hard time but he was going to show their deliverance through the splendor of Christ for eternity. He's the only God that can do anything for us. He's the only God that is able to save. Now, this is just a story that was written to help us understand, but to show us even the mindset of other religions today, but there's only one true God. And the story goes like this. There was a man that was wandering. He got lost and he ended up getting stuck in quicksand. And Confucius comes along, and this is what Confucius says. He saw the man's predicament, and he said, it is evident that men should stay out of places such as this. Then Buddha comes along and observes the situation and says, let that man's plight be a lesson to the rest of the world. Then Muhammad comes, and he says this to the sinking man, alas, it's the will of God. But Jesus appears, and Jesus pulls the man out of the mud. And that's the way these religions are, but it's only Christ Jesus who actually came to our world to save us out of our sin. And the truth is, it has been tested and tried. It was prophesied from the very beginning about our Savior. He moves on our behalf. Look at Isaiah 48 this morning. I'm with me, verses 3 and 5, and it says this, Isaiah 43, 3 and 5, I foretold the former things long ago, 
My mouth announced them and I made them known. Then suddenly I acted and they came to pass. For I knew how stubborn you were. Your neck muscles were iron. Your forehead was broad. Therefore I told you these things long ago before they happened. I announced them to you so that you could not say my images brought them about. My wooden image and metal God ordained them. Child of God this morning, be encouraged. People might think that what we believe in today, and there is that era today, there's that thing today nearly like, if you say you're a Christian, it's nearly like, you still believe in that fairy tale? Honestly, seriously, you still believe in that? But friends, the reason why we believe in it, because God's word from the very conception is written from the Genesis right through, there's a thing called the scarlet thread where you can see right through every book of the Bible that there's going to be a saviour. And that the Savior's coming to redeem us from our sin. You know, 700 years before Jesus even walked this earth, the book of Isaiah was written and foretold that a Savior was going to come and he was going to come to save us from our sins. Are you glad this morning that he is a God that has been foretold? He came and he has made a determination to see us saved. God has a determination to save. Right in the garden, way back in Genesis 3 and 15, when Adam and Eve fell into sin, it was right then that God promised us a redeemer. In chapter 3, verse 15, he says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. And you know what basically God was saying? Sin has entered because the woman at the apple and disobeyed and sin came into our world and impacted us all. But he says from the very woman, that race, that woman who sinned, he says, I'm going to turn that on its head. I'm going to flip that on its head. And through a woman, a saviour will be born into this world and we see in Galatians 4 and 4 but when the fullness of time came God sent forth the son born of a woman born under the law so way way back in the very beginning always God was promising that he was going to send someone to save us from our sin and we see through the rest of scriptures how these prophecies were foretold and foretold and then when Jesus came they were fulfilled but he was determined to make it tangible and real. He was born through a virgin. So although he was God, God became human and he identified himself with us. Isaiah again prophesies in Isaiah 7 and 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And the New Testament records the fact that Jesus came and Jesus existed. Even those who doubt salvation and doubt God's presence all have to agree that there was a man that lived and his name was Jesus. There is historical writings outside the Bible that prove the existence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he came personally to save us. There's a wee girl lying on her bed one night. And it was windy and gales broke, glowing outside and all the rest of it. And the wee girl shouts over the hallway, Daddy, I'm scared. I says, it's all right, Pat. I'm, I'm just across the hall. You're all right. 
couple of minutes later, Daddy, I'm still scared. And the daddy, thinking he was being wise, says to the wee girl, it's all right, Patrick, you know God is with you. And the wee girl replied, I believe in God. But see, just now, daddy, I need somebody with skin on. <laughs> Jesus became God with skin on because he wanted to identify with us. He wanted to walk with us. He wanted to talk with us. He wanted to be here. He was determined to identify with us, but he was determined also to give us all. Not only did he give up his rightful place in heaven, but when he came to earth, he gave up his life to die for you and me. He suffered a horrendous death that you and I could be forgiven of our sins. And you know, friends, there's one group of people that I find it really hard to understand why they cannot say that Jesus is Jesus. And it's God's own people, the Jewish race. Because they know the Old Testament, the Hebrew, inside out, they would have read the scriptures. They would know all that was said of him. And it's hard for us, when we look at scripture, to understand why they cannot say that he is who he is. Let me just remind you of some things that the Old Testament prophesied would happen about Jesus, his life, and his death. He would be betrayed by a friend. He would be sold for 30 pieces of silver, all Old Testament writings that happened to the Lord Jesus. The money would be thrown into God's house. The price was given for a potter's field. Remember, Judas then paid the money to buy a field, the field of blood, the potter's field. He would be forsaken by his disciples. He would be accused by false witnesses. He would be wounded or bruised. He would be smitten and spat upon. He would be mocked. He would fall under the cross. His hands and his feet would be pierced. He would be crucified with thieves. He would, be, um, he would intercede for his persecutors. His friends would stand afar off. People would shake their heads at him. He would suffer thirst. That there would be actually gall and vinegar would be offered to him. How pinpointed is that? All those years previous before Jesus was even on this ground, it would say that when he died on the cross, this would be the drink that would be offered to him. It would be gall and vinegar. He would commit himself to God. His heart would be broken. Darkness would cover the land. And he would be buried in a rich man's tomb. Now, there are doubters that would say this. Self-fulfilled prophecy. Jesus was a smart man. And he tried to fulfill all of these prophecies. He'd be some boy if he was human and tried to do all. How can anybody conjure up darkness over the world? Look at some of the other things. The place of his birth, Micah 5. The time of his birth, Daniel 9, 25. Genesis 49 and 10. The manner of his birth, birth that we looked at, Isaiah 7 and 14. His betrayal, the manner of his death, Psalm 22, 16. People's reaction, the mocking, the spitting, the stirring, his piercing and his burial. All was written in the Old Testament about how Jesus would come. He would live and he would die on this earth. For us, child of God, this morning, be encouraged. He who did not spare his own son, but gave himself for us all, how will he not also, along with us, graciously give us all things? 
If all that was foretold about him came to pass, well, I'm encouraging you this morning to believe that God can do all that he says in you and through you today. He promises and he fulfills his promise. Here's another wee thing he was determined to make at last. God not just only foretell to us his determination to save us, his determination to identify with us, his determination to give us all, but he foretold that he was determined to make our salvation and union with him eternal through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 16 and 10 says this, You will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. Hundreds of years before Jesus came, he would not be abandoned to the grave. He would not see decay. Away back in the Psalms, it was saying that our Jesus, who lived those years ago, would rise from the grave and would bring victory over death, that he would have the power to bring the resurrection. And during the Lord Jesus' resurrection, at least at one time, there was 500 people who all saw Jesus at the same time. And yet again, doubters would say, ah, you know, it was maybe like they all had something in the water. There was a wee drug going around and they all saw this vision of Jesus. And yet there were studies done. Even if you got 500 people, give them all LSD and ask them afterwards what they saw, they wouldn't all say the same thing. There were so many people saw the risen Savior after his death that he was alive and that he was risen and he is who he said he is. Christ is risen and he is risen indeed and he lives for us. He is our Savior. That's why Hebrews 7 and 25 says this. Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. He did not see decay. He is not dead. He's alive as he always was and he lives for us. Church, can I say this to you this morning? I don't know what's going on in your life and you maybe don't know what's going on in my life at the moment, but I would say this to you. If the one who was prophesied in all of those fine details that he would come, he would live, he would die, and he would rise from the grave. And they all were fulfilled in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I would think this morning we could trust him with whatever we're going through today to know that he can see us through, that his word is truth. And whatever God has spoken to you and into you about your situation today, I think we can trust him, can't we? And we can follow his plan for our lives. Child of God, be encouraged. He fulfills his promises about himself to us. Surely he can fulfill his promises in you and through you. Whatever the Lord has promised you, the Lord will fulfill because he is true to his promise. Let's look at verse 9 and 10 just for a wee moment together. These are great verses of great theological worth. It says this, Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. 
I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. He's saying to these people, remember the former things. He was trying to remind his people who were worshipping these two false gods, who were putting their trust in these things that actually made with their own hands. He was saying, do you not remember coming out of Egypt? Do you not remember all that I did for you? Do you not remember the Red Sea and how you walked through that sea and you got away and how I drowned the Egyptians in front of you, that I am God and I am mighty? And church, when we become despondent in our situation, when it feels like sometimes that we're losing all hope, we need to go back to the Word. We need to go back to the written word of God and we need to read the stories of the Old Testament. We need to read the scriptures in the New Testament and we need to remind ourselves that God is God, that he's mighty and there's no one like him and God is able. We need to be thankful for the spirit of God who is at work in our lives. Church, I want to ask you this question this morning. Has the Lord ever let you down? Oh, for goodness sake, I thought I was in the wrong church there. The Lord has never let us down. But sometimes he may keep us to the 11th hour and sometimes in the midst of it we can feel like, God, where are you? And how am I ever going to get through it? But in the light of day, when we read God's word and we are asking the Holy Spirit to speak in our lives, we realize his promises are true and he has never let us down. Do you know what these two scriptures tell us about God? tells two things about God's character. One is this, that he's, he's omnipotent. In other words, what that means is God is all-powerful. I want to declare with you this morning, God is as all-powerful today as he was when this was written in, over many, many years ago. He's all-powerful in your circumstance and in your situation. It also tells us that he's omniscient which means that our God is all-knowing. He knows the beginning from the end. And there's sometimes, yes, when we're praying, with, we're thinking, Lord, I wish we could have a face-to-face, and you would tell me how this is all going to work out, but that's where trust comes in. Where we trust the Father heart of God, that he knows where he's leading us, he knows what he's doing in our life, even though it may seem everything's an absolute mess, nothing's going right, but let me tell you, God can take what was meant for evil, and he can use it for your good, Amen. Now I'm in the right church. His purpose still stands. And this will come clearer in a minute. But church, don't rebel. Don't let your heart get hardened because maybe things aren't working out the way you want them to work out today. Don't let your heart get hardened because maybe you're not seeing God work as quick as you would like to see him to work. Maybe today because it seems to be the opposite from what you thought God was saying. Don't allow your heart to get hardened. Keep him central. Keep him number one. Keep him your number one goal person that you go to. And remember this scripture of old, good wisdom in Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Remember verse 4 again. 
And this is good Proverbs. Guys, trust him with all your heart, not a wee bit of your heart there. Not when you see things going your way, but trust God with all your heart and don't try to work it out because he's omniscient. He's the one that knows the end from the beginning. Put your trust in him and let him work it out because look at verse four again. Even to your old age and grey as her, I am he and I am he who will sustain you. You feel like the bottom of your world's falling out this morning, but I want to tell you the Lord's about to lift it up again and press it all back in because he's saying, I will sustain you. He's behind you. He's in front of you. He's underneath you. He's above you. He's all around you because our God, and we haven't looked at that this morning, but our God is also omnipresent. And he's saying, I will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. Saw that beautiful picture of Hazel Joy this morning just all wrapped up. And there's Dad's friends, we need to know that the Heavenly Father is wrapping us up. <laughs> he's swaddling us up and he's holding us close because he will sustain you and he will carry you. God is carrying you. Do you know, when I was looking at the sermon and writing these notes last night, I kept thinking about that old poem about um, the footsteps in the sand. And you know, well, don't you, when there was two sets and it became rocky and it became one step and the person was saying, well, God, where were you? And the Lord says, hi, I was carrying you. And God's word today is to remind us that he will carry us, he will sustain us, and he will rescue. Church, hear these three words this morning. Sustain. Lord, I'm not sure how much I can work Dick. I'm not sure how long I can go on, God. And here's what the Lord said to you this morning. And he will promise, because if he wrote all these things about his son, Lord Jesus, all those years ago and he fulfilled them, he will fulfill this too. He says, I will sustain you. Maybe your body's falling apart this morning. Maybe things are falling off. But he says, I'm going to sustain you. He will sustain your spirit because he is God. He says, I will carry you. Do you know, if there was one person in the Bible I would have loved to have been, it was John the Beloved. In a very male-dominated society, we read about how the Lord, or John, put his head, his head sorry, on the master's chest. What a lovely picture of intimacy between brothers. And he says, I will carry you. God wants to bring you that close. I believe Isaiah said it as well, that you can hear his heartbeat. Do you know the Father's heart's beating for you this morning? And it's a heartbeat of a love message. And he also says, I will rescue you. And maybe today you're looking at things in your life and you're thinking this, I am going to go under. I am going to go under. But the Lord says, I'm going to sustain. I'm going to carry you. And I will rescue you. Haven't we got a great God church this morning? I will rescue you. Friends, this morning, if you're with us and you haven't committed your whole heart to the Lord Jesus and you're not a Christian, have we questioned to ask you this morning? Would you too like to be carried 
rather than carrion? Would you like to be carried instead of carrying? What do you mean? You see, these people who Isaiah was writing to all those years and years before even the birth of Jesus, because they had their false god, they ended up, as we said, they were burdened by these gods. The very things that they made with their own gold and had fashioned into gods that we see in this scripture, they couldn't even move an inch. Once they were up there, these people were pleading with these gods to move on their behalf, and these gods couldn't even move to answer them. They became a burden because when the Babylonians came in and the Babylonians removed them, they ended up having to carry these gods. In fact, it was beasts that carried these gods. For them, but it was a burden to them. They became an actual burden. The very gods that they had made as they were going into slavery. Maybe you're thinking this morning, Pastor Stephen, I don't know what you're getting at because I have no gods in my life. I have no wee Buddhas sitting anywhere in my home or or these weird and wonderful things that some people use as furniture and ornaments around their homes now that represent gods. I don't have anything like that in my home. Let me remind you about these two gods. The first god was called Baal. He was a Babylonian. They're both two Babylonian gods. And the first one was called Baal. And do you know what Baal means? It means Lord. So when they fashioned this God called Baal that was Lord, they were saying, you are Lord, rather than God being Lord. And the second God, Nebo, again a Babylonian God, was the God of learning. And here God is saying, you compare this God to me, but I know the beginning from the end. I'm not only saint. I know the beginning from the end. And you compare these two gods to me. We've always said around church, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And if you haven't made Jesus Christ your Lord, you put yourself on that throne of the Lord of your life. You submit to your own authority. You make your own decisions. You're the director, the boss of your own life. And in verse 5 it says, Will you compare me and count me equal? To whom will you liken me that will be compared? You rely on your own understanding to work things out in your life. And yet the prescripture tells us in Proverbs 3 that we are to acknowledge the Lord with all our hearts. And we're not to lean on our own understanding, but we are to put our trust in him. Now here's a simple line this morning. If we keep in that vein in our lives, just like these people who were carried into captivity, we make ourselves Lord of our lives and we just go with our own thinking, being the own commander of our own ship and our own lives. Someday we're going to hit the rocks. And you might think up to now, well, I've done a good job, I've sailed through life and I've got through okay. But there will come that time 
when we will all stand before God and God will say, did you make me Lord of your life? Did you put me first in your life? Look at verses 12 and 13. Listen to me, you stubborn-hearted, you who are now far from my righteousness. I am bringing my righteousness near. It is not far away, and my salvation will not be delayed. I will grant salvation to Zion, my splendor to Israel. Just as there was the foretelling of Christ that he would come to save her soul, God got it all right in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also know this about the scripture, that his saving power, the spilling of Christ's blood on Calvary, not only reached the generation of those of Zion, where Jesus came out of the divinic line of David, of the people of Zion, but when the blood flew, flowed on Calvary, that blood, that sacrifice is eternal for all who will believe. And Romans 10 and 13 says as everyone who call in the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you know, you've heard me say this before, that we word saved in the Greek just means to be taken through to God. And this is my question to you this morning. Do you still want to carry your own life? Or do you want God to carry you through to his presence and eternity? Still want to live by your own choices and your own sin? Or do you still want the Redeemer to come? And there's still time. His righteousness is near. It's not far away. He says, if you just call upon me, you will be saved. And my encouragement to you this morning is this. Call upon the name of the Lord and ask him to accept you as his own. Verse 48 and for us all, even to your old age and to your gray hairs, I am he, I am he who will sustain you. And whom I have appelled since your birth. Sorry, I've read the wrong line there. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Believer, this morning, be encouraged. No matter what you're going through, your Lord has promised to sustain you, to carry you, and to rescue you. If you're here this morning and you've not yet surrendered your life to Jesus, can I encourage you to do so? Because in doing so, even to your old age, God will sustain you carry you and rescue you. Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Can we pray? Friends, if you're here this morning and you would like to call upon the name of the Lord, I'm going to pray a prayer, a short prayer that you can repeat as I pray in the quietness of your own heart. And this is to help you call upon the name of the Lord. And if you do that this morning, just at the end of the service, why don't you come and tell me? And we'll get you some stuff to help you in your new walk with the Lord. And church, this morning as you're praying, allow Jesus to come very near.
and to help you in whatever situation you're going through. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I want to turn from my sins. I ask you for your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he died for my sins and that you raised him to life. I want him to come into my heart and take control of my life. I want to trust Jesus as my savior and follow him as my Lord from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, I just pray this morning, if anyone has prayed that prayer, that you will truly, truly allow them to realize how close and personal and lovely you are. Lord, for us as a church family, as our faces differ, so do our needs and our circumstances. But Lord, we're so glad, even as we look at your word, that all that you promised for your son, you were able to fulfill. And all that you promised us, we know then you will fulfill in our lives also. We thank you for your strength, your carrying love, and your care. So help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The worship team is going to lead us in our last song. Can I remind you, help us please this morning. If you're staying for lunch next Sunday, um, please let us know. Now, the prayer time is from two to four. Now, we understand that everybody can stay for the two hours. You can maybe go home and come back, but we'd love you to join us in that two-hour space to come and pray. So make sure you put your name down, and if you're a soup maker, if you could see Suzanne this morning as well, that would be a great help to us all. Let's stand and let's worship.